Psalm chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. O Lord, my God, in you do I take refuge. Save me from all my pursuers and deliver me, lest like a lion they tear my soul apart, rendering it in pieces with none to deliver. O Lord, my God, if I have done this, if there is wrong in my hands, if I have repaid my friend with evil or plundered my enemy without cause, let the enemy pursue my soul and overtake it. Let him trample my life to the ground and lay my glory in the dust. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of my enemies. Awake for me. You have appointed a judgment. Let the assembly of the peoples be gathered about you. Over it return on high. The Lord judges the peoples. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to the integrity that is in me. O let the evil of the wicked come to an end. And may you establish the righteous, you who test the minds and hearts, O righteous God. My shield is with God who saves the upright in heart. And from Acts chapter 12, beginning of verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Now when Herod was about to bring him out, on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and centuries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him, saying, Get up quickly. And the chains fell off his hands. And the angel said to him, Dress yourself and put on your sandals. And he did so. And he said to him, wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And he went out and followed him. He did not know what was being done by the angel was real, but thought he was seeing a vision. But when they passed the first and the second guard, they came to the iron gate leading into the city. It opened for them of its own accord. And they went out and went along one street, and immediately the angel left him. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. And when he knocked at the door of the gateway, a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer. 
Recognizing Peter's voice in her joy, she did not open the gate, but ran in and reported that Peter was standing at the gate. They said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept insisting that it was so, and they kept saying, it's his angel. But Peter continued knocking. When they opened, they saw him and were amazed. But motioning to them with his hand to be silent, he described to them how the Lord had brought him out of the prison And he said, tell these things to James and to the brothers. Then he departed and went to another place. Now Herod was, I'm sorry. Now when day came, there was no little disturbance among the soldiers over what had become of Peter. And after Herod searched for him and did not find him, he examined the sentries in order that they should be put to death. Then he went down from Judea to Caesarea, and spent time there. Now Herod was angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, and they came to him with one accord, and having persuaded Blastus, the king's chamberlain, they asked for peace, because their country depended on the king's country for food. On an appointed day, Herod put on his royal robes, took his seat upon the throne, and delivered an oration to them. And the people were shouting, the voice of a god and not of a man. Immediately, an angel of the Lord struck him down because he did not give glory to give the glory to God. And he was eaten by worms and breathed his last. But the word of God increased and multiplied. And Barnabas and Saul returned from Jerusalem when they had completed their service, bringing with them John, whose other name was Mark. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Lord, in your kindness and in your mercy, we ask in this moment that you would do the thing, Lord, that only you can do. Lord, we ask by the power of your spirit that you would take these words that are in your word, Lord, that you would take the words that I've prepared, Lord, would you shine light on them in such a way that they stir up in us fresh hope in our Lord Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. In the uh, winter of 2002, um, I was a sophomore in college, and I had the opportunity to study abroad in London, and I was a journalism major. So at least a feature of the study program when I was there was to get to learn more about the journalistic and news and newspaper print media culture of Britain. And in case that doesn't immediately sound exciting to you, let me continue to explain. One of the things that's interesting about British culture versus U.S. culture, even to this day, is that print media, the printed page, the newspaper, is still a pretty popular form of news, and it especially was the case um, at that time. And what would happen is that because so many people relied on the printed page for news, Newspapers would be printed throughout the course of the day, like a morning paper, sometimes for special reasons, a mid-morning paper, sometimes for special reasons, a lunchtime paper, and always the evening paper. Because these piles of paper are piling up everywhere, 
there were people that had to sell them. So you'd come across these newspaper boys, even as recent as 2002, who would stand in the street corners yelling out the news in order to convince people to purchase these papers. And some of them would make these these cardboard signs that just had the headlines just on their poster, and they would stand at street corners and in intersections and, and just simply hold these things up and yell out the news. Now, I tell you that because literally every single time that I step up here, I actually think about those newspaper people. You see, those, those newspaper people were not giving kind of commentary on geopolitical or cultural events. Those newspaper people were not giving lectures. They weren't giving opinions. They weren't really giving advice. They were declaring the news. And that's a good way to think about the role of a preacher. See, a a preacher is, is not necessarily supposed to be giving cultural commentary, although I have comments that I can make about culture, I guess. And the preacher's not necessarily supposed to be actually leading a Bible study, though I love Bible studies. We have them at Grace. But, but a preacher is intended to stand and try to declare the news. So that's what I'm going to hope to do from this particular passage tonight. Our text of scripture, this this event occurs and you heard me read it. Peter is in prison. The believers pray and they pray fervently and he's freed and the word of God continues to march on in spite of opposition. So I want to tell you some things about that story. But the main thing I hope to do tonight in these moments is to try to announce three particular points of news that I hope would be comforting for a particular weary heart or soul who might be in here tonight. So we'll talk about this story, and I'm going to try to announce Three pieces of news. So the main thing I want you to hear in this time is that this story shows us that our Lord is the keeper of his people. He's never not watching. He's always guarding, protecting, keeping. Let's talk about the story, then three particular pieces of news. Look with me at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. See, the story begins with a sense of darkness and foreboding because another Herod is on the scene. And this Herod in particular 
has violence intended for the church. See, the Herods in the New Testament are not good guys. They are corrupt politicians. Um, The Herods um, in the scriptures are these puppet kings that the Roman leaders have installed over the Jewish people. They were loyal to Rome. They were not loyal to the Jewish people. But it was Rome's way of trying to keep the people pacified in some ways because he at least gave them some, one of their own countrymen as a king. It's, it's just that the, the, the Herods are evil, ruthless, clownish, corrupt politician leaders. This might be a good time to insert that there's not too much new under the sun. Of course, our world is filled with Herods, isn't it? Of all kinds. See, it was this Herod's family member who was the kind of clown king that is sort of the decadent playboy who is just goofing around in essence, wanting to be entertained when Jesus is on trial. And it's that Herod's relative even higher up in the family tree That is the Herod that rounds up the male babies to be slaughtered. So this is a long line of Herod kings that are evil, relentless, clownish, puppet, corrupt, politician types. And look at verse 2. This Herod has killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. So James, one of the apostles, one of Jesus' disciples, has been murdered. He's been put to death by Herod. And in verse 3, Herod sees that this pleased the Jews. So he decided he would arrest Peter also. So Herod is playing this political game here. He's killed John, I mean, he's killed James. He realizes the people got excited about that, so now he's arrested Peter and plans to do the same thing, but he wants to make a pompous show of it. We're told in the verses that follow that he withholds, James, he withholds Peter until he can bring him out in a kind of show trial to put him to death more publicly to have even more public approval. The situation's very bleak in this story. Except for verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison and he's guarded super carefully. But verse 5, earnest prayer was made for him by the church. The sense of it is earnest prayer kept on being prayed for him by the church. It's a strong picture of fervent prayer. In fact, this this same word earnest, the last time Luke, the author of Acts, has given us this word earnest prayer is when Jesus is in the garden in Gethsemane laid out in earnest prayer before his father. So the believers are praying and they're praying earnestly, fervently, consistently, desperately for Peter. We're told 
in verse 6 and following, the ways in which Peter is miraculously freed. An angel somehow comes in his prison cell, tells him to get up. He wakes up. Chains are falling out. Prison gates are being opened. And he goes free. And he, and he goes free and he, and he walks out to the exact location where the believers are praying. He knocks on the door and Rhoda, a servant girl, comes to open it. It's a beautiful thing that the last time that Peter encountered a servant girl is when he was cursing and denying with strong language that he had any association with Jesus. But this servant girl named Rhoda, whose name makes Holy Scripture, opens the door, sees it's him, closes it, and goes and runs. And it's an interesting twist in the story in verse 15. When Rhoda said, Peter's at the gate, verse 15, they said to her, you are out of your mind. But she kept saying it was him, and they said, well, then it's his angel. I think there's something hopeful here. Even in the desperate, fervent prayers of God's people, they struggled to believe that God would move. The very thing that they had been praying for was literally happening and has happened, it's difficult for them to believe it. Maybe there's a word of hope there if you struggle to believe what might be happening in your earnest, fervent praying. And, and the height of the story, the kind of climax of the story is actually in verse 17. But, but motioning to them tells them to be quiet. He doesn't want to cause a disturbance when they see him when he comes in. He maybe doesn't want to wake neighbors. They're kind of underground here. He tells them to be quiet. He tells them what happened. And in verse 17, he tells them to tell these things to James and the brothers. Now, this is not the same James who's been killed. This is a different James, most likely the same James that will write the book of James. Those are different Jameses. I know it can get very confusing in the Bible. But it's Peter's way of saying, God's word keeps marching on. Go, be encouraged. Tell the other believers. Now that's the height of the story. And as the story recedes, of course, Herod gets very angry and mad. He, he has the prison guards put to death. And then we get this strange scene of Herod dying. Tradition says some sort of intestinal problem. He was struck with it in that moment, and he later succumbed and died. Another example of a wicked, corrupt king, ruler, who simply comes onto the pages of history and goes off the pages of the history, while the truth of the gospel just keeps marching on. The Herods come and the Herods go. I will say more about that in just a moment. I think the thing we're supposed to see from this passage is the main character, the Lord himself, is carefully keeping and guarding and watching over his people. And this is the moment in which I want to stand at the intersection and try to announce three particular features of good news 
from this passage. It's, it's news that I think is particularly good if you find yourself tonight in any kind of pain, difficulty, struggle, or trouble. Three simple announcements of news. First of all, our Lord hears the prayers of his people. He gives his people access to himself in prayer. Y'all, if you're in trouble in any way tonight, the invitation of this text is to keep praying. Now, the kind of trouble you're in tonight might not be Peter trouble. You might not be in prison. You might not be under persecution from a corrupt ruler. But in whatever kind of trouble you find yourself, the invitation of this passage is to just keep One of the things that we say often around Grace Fellowship is just like our God has ends, things he designs, plans to do. He has means, the ways in which he plans to do that thing. And prayer is a means that God uses to keep guard and watch his people. Now, how our prayers work in that whole design, I have no idea. But the Bible gives us story after story after story after story of pray, keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Because our God is a God who hears his people's Here's a second announcement of good news for you tonight. Imagine me as a newspaper boy holding up the sign. If you are in trouble in any way tonight, under any struggle or pain or difficulty or trouble, it might not look like Peter's trouble, but trouble nonetheless. Our God, the Lord, is the great rescuer of his people when they find themselves in trouble. God is known as a savior, which implies his people need some saving, and he is able to do it. I don't know when the last time someone has just told you that the Lord is able, but I'm telling you, the Lord is able. He's able to rescue. There is no pit so deep that his saving grace is not deeper still. Joel, you don't really know what kind of trouble I'm in. I, I really don't. But I know that our God is a great savior a great rescuer. And that really begs a question, doesn't it? 
I don't know if you noticed it, but I certainly did. The story begins with James being arrested and killed. Peter dramatically rescued. Why? Why does Peter get the rescue and James doesn't? Did you think about that? And I really want to just answer that in two ways. The first thing is to simply say, I don't know. The, the second thing to remind us of would be, oh, but the Lord did rescue James. See, God's rescue does not, does not always look like what we think it ought to look like. God doesn't always do his rescuing work in the way in which we might imagine. His deliverance does not always come to us in a particular form that we were thinking But it's just worth remembering that the Lord Jesus has rescued James from the power of evil and sin and death. That our Lord Jesus has defeated the power of the devil. And in that moment when James is killed by Herod, James walks into a well-done, good and faithful servant from the Lord Jesus himself and into joys unspeakable. James was rescued. It's, I don't know any other way to say this to y'all, say this to you guys, to y'all, except to simply say that Christian faith, being in Christ, offers, I'm going to tell you the number, offers zero easy answers to hard questions. Exactly zero. But, but what our faith offers us instead is quite a consolation. So what our faith offers us instead is our Lord, who, by the way, is revealed to us as a Father Almighty and a maker of the heavens and the earth. And he is revealed in human flesh as Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, our Lord. Who, by the way, was suffered under, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell, and on the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, and from that place he'll come to judge the living and the dead. And our faith offers us, of course, the forgiveness of sins and the resurrection of the body and life everlasting. See, our faith does not offer us easy answers to hard questions, but our faith does offer us a God that we can know and who loves us.
And apart from his will, not a hair could even fall from our heads. Now that judge of the living and dead bit brings me to this third bit of announcements. Third announcement is the simple and beautiful truth. If you're in trouble tonight, and your trouble might not look like Peter's trouble, but it's trouble nonetheless. If you're here tonight and you are under pain or difficulty or struggle in any way, hear this announcement. Our God reigns. And I don't know if you're like me, but the Herods of this world can leave you deeply discouraged because it feels as if they reign. They just don't. It's a common prayer, actually, in the Psalms. Lord, why are the wicked always prospering? It seems like they are, but they're not. See, Herod, this this wicked and this corrupt ruler, is, is brought underneath God's judgment. And it's just really good to know if you're a person who feels yourself in pain or difficulty and trouble, especially not just the things you've done, but the things that have been done to you. It's really good to know that Jesus rules and reigns and that the Herods do not. In the words of a poet named Malcolm Geith, he's a British poet, He's talking about a different Herod, but it's the, same, it's the same point for this Herod. Always remember, every Herod dies and has to come and stand alone before the Lamb who's on his throne. See, our Lord is a careful keeper, protector, Guard of his people. Amen. Let's pray.